Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. <laughs> well, Joe, again, this is Buck Benny speaking. I am joined by my friends, uh, Kathy fuller Sheely and John Henderson. Hello. And it's so great to have you guys here. And this is the second available episode of the Jack Benny Show. We're missing three episodes. The The first season, we have the very first one that we've shared with you before. Um, the missing episodes, though, just so people don't freak out, they are available. They are out there. Not out there, out there. I mean, they you have to go certain places to see them, right? And uh, as far as circulating episodes, this is the next one that's available in circulation you know, over on YouTube, all over the place, and lots of packages. So, so when you say anyway. you have to go certain places to see them, you, they're locked in Jack Benny's vault. Is that the idea? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much <laughs> very similar. Very to that. So maybe Kathy can tell us. Do, do you know where, like, some of these episodes are kept? I think they're kept I, two different well, places. Well, there's you? there's two places that they're most likely to be. One is a UCLA's uh, a special collections where he donated. Um, a number of his papers and um, his so own So that would print. be Jack's private collection that's there. Right. But also some things are out at the Jack Benny collection at the University of Wyoming's American okay. Heritage Center. Okay. So, And I thought there was like a, the, that was like the Museum of Television of History television. or something that some it's of them are possible there. They, they have some. Our, yeah. our dear friend Laura Leibowitz knows the exact locations. Well, that's what's great. It, Laura Leibowitz's book, which I don't have handy here, but I'm sure Kathy is somewhere. There we go. So that's that's the, the covers. Of Turn it sideways so we can see how thick that thing is because that's oh, it's incredible. Lord. It's like a phone book. Yeah, I love that book. I use it all the time. Anyway, um, that book will say, give a summary of the episode and give every place it's available so you'll see as you flip through it you'll go oh this one's missing oh nope it's available these two places so and most of them if a person really wanted to they could go to those places arrange ahead of time to watch certain episodes i'm sure they only let you watch a certain amount and so you can go on a benny vacation and probably catch a lot of the missing episodes there you go <laughs> anyway having said that this is the second available episode it's the beginning of the second season of the show and uh, it's an episode that that you certainly could not do today. Some of the jokes that they do in this episode, I don't think they would work. Well, maybe on Saturday Night Live they could push it and get away with it, but it would not be uh, jokes that you would do necessarily in in, um, in mainstream television audiences for you know evening viewing. Uh, but we'll we'll chat about that and, and talk about what what some of those jokes are and things. Uh, anyway. Let's just go right over to John and get his impressions of, of this episode. Uh, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, I heard a uh, song and uh, I thought it was a fun novelty song. It was called Temptation. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's uh, Red Engel and I wrote it down. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, well, I don't have it. Uh, it's, hang on for a second. It's Temptation, not Temptation. That's right. Tempt Okay. It's a spoof on the song Temptation. Okay. Uh, only instead of this like sweeping ballad, ballad, it's done hillbilly uh. style. You came when I was alone, like that. And I thought it was so just no, fun I and like silly. I like that, John. Do more. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I looked for that online. And in looking for that, I ran into this, uh, this other woman. I'm like, uh, uh, 1940s uh, hillbilly lady. And I ran into Dorothy Shea, which took me on this whole other rabbit trail. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I thought it was such a, a funny idea that she's dressed elegantly. Mm -hmm. She obviously went to like a finishing school in New York or something like that. Yes. To try to get rid of her Southern accent and become like the sophisticated person. Uh, and thus... The Park Avenue Hillbilly, and so she's yeah. got these the, these novelty songs, feuding and fighting, where she starts out, you know, with, with this, you know, uh, graceful singing, and then goes into a bit of the hillbilly twang, and and so I, I listened to a few songs on that album. Uh, I can recommend for people if they want to look it up. Wow. Uh, you can't get a man with a gun. Uh, doing what comes naturally—that's a famous oh, one. Yes. And uh, television is tough on love. Is a it's sort of out of the uh, the novelty. It's its own its own style of novelty song. So, so I looked into that. I thought, oh, that's so fun. And then I'm like, well, I wonder if uh, there's any connection with Jack Benny. It's around the same time period. And so I found this episode. And uh, so I thought it was kind of fun. The song that she sings in this episode I hadn't heard before, but it's another one in the similar vein, kind of yep. kind of fun. So I liked the song. I liked seeing Dorothy Shay in person because I had only heard her. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite part of the whole episode is a bit that Jack Benny, I think, later did a couple of times, but I think it's done best here with Bob Crosby, where Jack Benny's yeah. trying to tell a joke and then Bob Crosby comes and interrupts. And I think it, it works out great. And because it's a live episode, the energy is so great, which really makes the bit take off. Well, see, and I thought Jack would always be getting interrupted constantly during his radio show because obviously he had no control over his cast or something. Yeah, I thought when he switched to t television, he would get more professional and that wouldn't happen. But still, he continues to get interrupted and can't get his point across very well sometimes. So it's just it's a sad, sad situation for Jack. But anyway, <laughs> I will Cassie, say what you thinking about this. Episode? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, uh, when when you hear Dorothy Shea doing the hillbilly bit, it kind of feels like she's on their side, like she comes from that. Yes. When Jack Benny is doing the hillbilly bit, it kind of feels like they're making fun of them a little bit, which it's not go. quite as fun. Uh, so that wasn't my favorite part at the end, uh, especially the kiss. <laughs> that was a bit awkward, uh, <laughs> you know, but there are a couple of funny jokes and it was fun to see some of the band members that we've heard them talk about for years and years in the flesh. Yeah, that, that to me was one of the best parts yeah. of the fact that we get to see some of these people that we've heard him talk about, which is wonderful. But I agree 100% that it it just felt like uh, laughing at them versus laughing with them, which yeah. Dorothy Shea does a brilliant job of laughing with them and and celebrating sort of and and it just it's just a different take on now. The interesting part I think would be whether because I don't know enough about Dorothy Shea to know whether she truly was from that area and then. Uh, I looked it up. I guess she's from Jacksonville, Florida, and it, it, she, it said that she did have to get rid of her southern mm -hmm. accent. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's great. I, I was hoping that would be kind of the story versus a, a someone who is who kind of figured out a gimmick to use and was just playing off of that. And somebody that actually came from that would be much more rich, and so I'm glad that's the case. 
Uh, but Kathy, what what are your thoughts on this? Well, well, I completely agree uh, uh, with you, uh, John, about the wonderfulness of this interrupting gag, and and Daryl too for for its liveness. It's the funniest I've ever seen. Bob Crosby. Yes. He's got this snarkiness, and he's, you know, <laughs> I just thought it was adorable, um, and so I really liked it. And um, uh, again, uh, uh, it really showed. A different, I mean, what Jack could do on television that was different from radio. Those long stares. The, the fact that you, even the, while Bob is singing, you can't help yourself but, yes. but watch Jack during this. And that was the one that he could not have done that on radio. I, I found that in my sort of research to the reactions to the episodes from the previous year that generally, oh, is that me? I hope I hope that's not me going whoop whoop whoop. But I don't hear anything. Um, oh, good. Okay. Uh, uh, the previous year, TV critics had been pretty harsh on Jack Benny and saying, "Oh, his jokes are all radio jokes. He's his radio self. TV wants action." You know that they, they um, the early critics really wanted Martin Lewis, uh, Milton Berle, and his his antics, uh, Sid Caesar. And here Benny is sort of standing and talking. But when um, the critics finally came around to seeing the long injured looks at the audience, then they start saying Jack Benny is brilliant on television. Yep. And so it was nice to see the critics finally paying attention to and Jack figuring out um, uh, what to do because he was really nervous of uh, moving to television. And interestingly, I found that uh, Benny fans would know this. Um, during these years, he was spending every summer uh, earning extra money by playing um, at theaters and state fairs with elaborate shows. Yep. Um, during this we period, all know Jack needed the extra money yeah. at this point in time. Of course. Well, Mary needed to buy some more jewelry. and, and he's, only got, he's only got the number one radio show and a new yeah. television yeah. show. Yeah. And yeah. He but, but, to do I, things I think he just couldn't sit still. You know, that's, he had such a work ethic. And so it turns out throughout the 40s and, and throughout the 50s, um, he would put on elaborate shows during the summer. And the Hillbilly Act and perhaps the Dorothy Shea part are all drawn from, uh, I found this marvelous cartoon originally in Barbara Thinnell's scrapbooks, but doing that's some beautiful. research yesterday. Wow. Yesterday, I found it came from the Dallas Morning News in June 1954. Um, and this captures Jack at the very, uh, okay, so it's a two-hour program, yeah. which involves other things like the, the version of the Chicken Sisters yep. we know well. This is a very young Sammy Davis Jr. Oh. Who's appearing with the Will Maston Trio. But you see the little girl mm -hmm. from the Hillbilly Act. You see now he's discovered Michelle, uh, Giselle McKenzie, and her wearing, now mind you, this was in Dallas, but I, I see a link to the Dorothy Shape performance as in she's totally. wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. So she was singing, it says down here, Hillbilly songs. And it turns out at the very end of this two-hour show, Jack comes out in a dressing gown. Oh, so, very cool. Uh, I, I loved it for the, the little girl. Yeah. Um, and to find out that this was a part of his very successful uh, a summer touring show. So yeah, and well, I I'm gonna hop say. on the part where uh, where you were just talking about uh, Jack's nervousness and things. This episode, he doesn't seem nervous at all. All he seems really comfortable. What makes it stand out to me 
is the fact that we are missing all the episodes in between the first one from the first season and this one, because you can see all that nervousness in the first episode of the first season. I assume over time that kind of got worked out. Here, what we see is a big jump forward of a year and how much more comfortable he is with the television. Right. Uh, he's, he's also he's also back in California. Those um, I, I yes. the critics sensed the nervousness in the second show of, of, of the first show in 1950, which was his second show on the air. He hated having to go all the way to New York and all the pressure that was right. put on him to do these shows. At least back at home, they could rehearse normally. You didn't have to spend all that time going across country. So was the whole first season all in New York then, Kathy? And the, and the, starting from the second season, it's California? Or how did that work? At, at least the first two or three shows. Um, the third one um, was the, the one with Ben Hogan, the golf show. And it has Mary on it. Now, I always thought maybe that one was filmed. But I don't remember. So. John, you were going to say something too. I was going to say the little girl does... Yeah such a great comedic job you like uh just standing still and playing it straight all the time and then <laughs> going out that one time and then right. i thought i thought she did an excellent performance and i was uh also the other thing i was going to say is i was surprised that don wilson was credited as one of the guest stars oh today we've got don wilson and frank yeah. remley as if people know who yeah. that is yeah. Uh, yeah but the the bit with don wilson and Mel Blanc, I thought was also hilarious, and especially so live with that energy, and and Jack Benny cracking up when he tells his Bugs Bunny joke. You can see how you know people always say in real life he was always cracking up and laughing at other people's yes. jokes, and you see like a glimpse of that here. I love that. I love that you can see that. I love I love the kind of looseness of these early live episodes and things, and that this this epitomizes that in so many ways. I do want to take us on a little jaunt sideways that I just thought of as we were talking, and John segued into that so beautifully. Um, <clears throat> this is such a strange time for Jack and for uh, Frank Remley and for uh, uh, the music who's who's singing that we were that was interrupting him, uh, Bob Crosby. Bob Crosby. Yeah. So for all these guys, there's something going on in the background that we don't know about uh, a lot of folks don't know about anyway so i thought i'd bring that up as we talk i mean i mean john and kathy once i start bringing this up we'll go oh yeah that is that time frame. so phil harris was his band leader and uh they decided for whatever reason to have phil harris uh exit the show They're starting with the 51 52 season of the jack benny show on radio okay so that would place it, this episode is from the 50, it's the beginning of 51 mm -hmm. season, right? No, November 50, 51. Yeah. Yeah, right. But still, still early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, so this, this would be early on as Crosby is taking over the, the chores of Phil Harris. So of course they want to feature him in the television show. It's one of the reasons why people argue that they might've gotten rid of Phil Harris because for whatever reason, he wouldn't or couldn't be on the, the television show, whether it's because of his, he was with NBC at the time or whether it's because he chose not to be involved in television, could have been a combination of the two. Anyway, so I think that's why this Crosby bit is so good because they're sort of introducing him. They probably spent a lot of time writing it, making sure that it worked well. He's probably putting a lot of energy into it because this is a new thing for him. 
Also, the mentioning of Frank Remley at this is the exact same time when on Phil's show that always had uh, Elliot Lewis playing Frank, the character of Frank Remley, they decided not to let him use the Frank Remley name anymore. So he had to go with Elliot Lewis. And because the real Frank Remley supposedly wouldn't let them do that anymore, who knows why. But maybe a piece of it is that he was starting to get a name for himself over on the television show or thought he was going to. And so he's mentioned actually in this episode as a guest star, like John says, and maybe they wouldn't have done that other than the fact that they are pushing him because he's the real Frank Remley and so forth. I, I don't know how that all would connect up. But John, does that make a little bit of sense, what I'm saying there? Yeah. And I mean, it is interesting. I expect to hear Elliot Lewis's voice coming out of Frank Remley when he's introduced, you know, because I have heard some of those uh, Phil Harris radio shows where Elliot Lewis is playing Frank Remley. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I also think it's interesting that um, uh, they mention Phil Harris to sort of explain who Frank Remley is for maybe people who didn't know, but they're going to know Phil Harris. So even yeah. Phil Harris isn't on the show. Uh, they mention, oh, Frank Remley, he used to hang out with Phil Harris. So you know, yeah. oh, he's a drinker, wow. et cetera. Yeah. They still, uh, and they never shied away from using Phil's name and sort of talking about Phil in some ways years later after he was off the show. It's, it's kind yeah. Of... And Bob Crosby was on television quite a bit. He had his own, I think, 15 minute oh, music oh, yeah. radio show where he would sing the hit songs. And he mentioned he was on the Alan Young show. So. He's used to television, whereas Phil Harris wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was all over television and all over radio. He had his radio shows too and things besides. Uh, Kathy, it looked like you had something to share in all this. I don't know. No, no. I, 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 it's fascinating what you're talking about, yeah. and you're absolutely right that it's a time of change and jealous networks, and mm -hmm. you know whether you're having to you know go to different. So it's it's crazy time. Yeah, I wish I wish. Before we lost all these folks, um, I would have loved a a book about just that little time frame, just the time frame of Phil like leaving the show. If it, if it covered from nineteen, I guess if it covered from nineteen fifty ish forty nine to to fifty two fifty three ish time frame, both on on Jack's transition into television, on Phil mm -hmm. leaving the show. And all of that would be so interesting as to what was going on and why it was happening the way it happened. Because um, now all we have left is us wondering about it. Last yep. week on on my podcast, on on uh, we we played the first episode that uh, Bob Crosby was on, and I played a clip from the Dinah show. I, uh, Kathy uh, heard about that or whatever, and and it was essentially Phil saying supposedly why he was kicked off of Jack's show and it was due to Mary and so forth. But who knows if that story is true. Phil tells a lot of tall tales, so uh, it could be yeah. part of it. it. It's just we don't have a lot of facts from it. And so it's a sort of what, what, I, what I enjoy is whenever we talk about this, like when I post that episode, it had more commentary on it, people leaving comments than I've had in a long time of them going, well, I think it's because of this. And some people don't even say, I think. Some people just go, oh, it was because of his contract. I'm like, really? You know that for a fact? That was that was the reason? I'm like, I never say this is the reason. I'm always saying, as far as I know, and my conjecture is, and my guess would be, 
because all of that is so nebulous and who knows what yeah as far as my go as as i know my conjecture is that uh, they expected the jack benny show to sort of be a new version of what the radio show had been and i think they expected uh like bob crosby to take over phil harris's role and they would just continue it just like what happened with kenny baker when Dennis Day took when over. When you say and, they, are you saying the, the audience? Or are you saying the network? Or who's they? I think that the, whoever was planning the show, Jack Benny and the producers, okay. were expecting it to be like this regular show. And if it had gone that way, today we would be talking and we would be saying, boy, I'm so glad they got Bob Crosby in there. He's the he's the best, uh, you know, a band leader. And I can't, who's this Phil Harris guy? I've never even heard of him because I've only right. seen the television show. But what happened with the television show is because things changed so much so much and they were trying testing out new things and then they would go a different way and then they would switch and try something new because it wasn't really hitting like if the jack benny show was i love lucy and it was like set in stone is like oh these are the classic episodes and we they're on reruns all the time then we would look at it differently Mm -hmm. uh but I also think part of the reason that it didn't take off like that is because Bob Crosby is not Phil Harris. Like Bob Crosby's not this not this sort of engaging, like memorable character that we think of when we when we remember Phil Harris on the radio show. But in part that's due to the writers. The writers didn't Absolutely. give him much to work with. Maybe it was like uh, the fellow who filled in for Dennis when Dennis was off in the Navy. You yeah. know, he just couldn't get much out of it so. right. well and as far as i know and this again is conjecture but i i get the feeling that it was bob crosby saying well you can't i don't want you to write me like phil harris i don't want to be a drunk because i drinking is not my thing i don't want to be though i can't be the womanizer i'm married and i have kids and the whole thing and i don't want to be that so with phil it's sort of they built all that up before he was married before he had kids, so they could kind of play around with it the whole time. And it just, I don't know, somehow Phil carried it off and it didn't phase you that they're saying all these things that you that you would normally go, oh my gosh, that's a married man that said that. Or, that, you know, it somehow it worked. And uh, yeah, I just don't think it worked for Bob like they were hoping it would. And it's the direction they should go in. So I wish that we could keep talking about this because it's so interesting and I I have so much more I could uh you know say, but I we probably have to wrap it up here in less than a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Good point. And also uh we'll let people just enjoy the episode and we'll continue our discussions of Jack Benny as we go forward. So anyway, enjoy this episode. It's a fun, fun episode to watch and it's different and There you go. See you guys next time. The Jack Benny Program. Thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen. As you probably know, This is my first television show of the season. And I want everybody at home who's watching the show to sort of sit back and relax and take it easy because this is a very simple show, nothing to it, you know. There's been no commotion backstage at all. I mean, nobody has worked hard. That is nobody but my makeup man. He's exhausted. (laughs) If I had the makeup on my shoulders that he put on my face, I could play the hunchback of Notre Dame. (laughs) 
But I would like to tell you something of my plans for television this season. I'm, go I'm going to have guests on my program, some from my radio show, and then some very, very important guest stars from the movies. Of course, uh, on my radio show, you see, it's very difficult for me to get guest stars because, uh, well, I don't pay much, you see? <laughs> I mean, there's no reason for it. I just don't believe in it, you see? <laughs> but you see, in television, it's entirely different because a lot of people like to come on and be seen. Now, on my second show, which is about six weeks from now, oh, I have, I have some of the most wonderful entertainers that you've ever seen in your life. I, I can't mention their names right now because I haven't got them, their contracts signed yet, you see. But if you like trained seals, don't <laughs> miss. <laughs> these, these seals are simply wonderful. They've got one seal, one of these trained seals, that does a trick. He balances a basketball on his nose, you know, and keeps balancing it and twirling it and bouncing it up and down. He, he's amazing. Well, I tell you, this, this seal is so good with this basketball that he was already offered $500 to throw the show. <laughs> but on this show, my guests on this show are, um, of course, you know, I've been rehearsing so much I get a little bit confused. Uh, oh, hello, boys. <laughs> I, um, oh, yes, I have the uh, Park Avenue hillbilly, Dorothy Shea, and Frank Remley, and Don Wilson. Those are my three guests here. And so first, I, uh, I'd like to introduce... Oh, before I do, I've got to tell you one joke, a story. As a rule, I don't tell jokes, you know, I just talk, you know. But this is a joke that I heard when I was playing at the Palladium Theater in London. It's about an actor who was standing in front of the Palladium in London, and a fellow walked over to him, and this actor was very blue and very dejected, and a friend of his walked over to him, and he said, I say, Derek... See, most of the actors in London are called Derek, you know. They, <laughs> they have an occasional Basil or a Sidney or a Cecil, but Derek seems to be the popular name there. So one of the, this fellow walked over to this actor, and he said to him, Derek, what's the matter with you? You look so blue. He said, oh, it's nothing. He said, well, there must be something the matter with you. Now, what is it? So this actor said, he said, well, let me tell you what happened. He said, about three weeks ago, an uncle of mine died and left me 10,000 pounds. He says, two weeks ago, another uncle of mine died and left me 5,000 pounds. Now, last week... Stage manager. Last week... Say, uh, I wonder if you'd uh, draw those travelers and uh, bring down my scenery. Yeah. Thank you. Say, would you give this music to Mr. Merrick, please? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, a few weeks ago, I was on the Alan Young show, and I sang a song. And the, the response was so wonderful that I'd like to do an encore for you tonight, if you will, Mr. Merrick. Thank you. I'm sending you a big bouquet of roses. But you'll always be untrue I'm tired of forgiving Now there's nothing left to do So I'm sending you a big bouquet of 
said, last week, my uncle died and left me nothing. That's the end of the joke. <laughs> of course, the, uh, I mean, the joke is naturally a lot better when I can go right through it. You know what I mean? Instead of being interrupted like... Oh, Bob! Bob, come here a minute, will you? Just before you leave. Uh, Bob, I, I happened to see that show that you did with... Al Your own show, I mean, well, Plus 15, isn't it? It really wasn't my idea. You see, it was my brother Everett's. He uh, handles all of my business. Oh. You mean your brother, he's your agent. That's right. He represents me and my brother Bing and also a trained seal. <laughs> And he handles train seals? Well, he has one particular train seal. This one has an act that is just wonderful. He balances a basketball on his nose. It's wonderful. Oh, really? Uh, Everett says that some jerk is going to use him on television. <laughs> well, if somebody else is going to use him, I won't want him, of course. <laughs> you say your brother is an agent. Huh? That's right. He gets 10% of everything I earn. Oh, well, as an agent, he would deserve that. Well, yeah. Jack, thanks for the use of the hall. I've got to run home. We have a new baby at home. Oh, yes, for heaven's sake. I forgot all about that. Bob, congratulations. Well, thank you, Jack. That's just wonderful. How, how many children have you got now? Well, this makes my fifth. Five children. That's wonderful. Yeah. Huh? Five more, and I'm going to have to give one to Everett. <laughs> Right. He, he, he gets 10%. Oh, oh sure. sure. I, sure. I understand. Would you help me? Uh, pardon? I've got to go. Would you help me? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. <laughs> Big star, no tip. <laughs> And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to... Oh, uh, before we go on with the show, I must tell you that uh, tonight, or tomorrow night, rather, Mary and I are flying to New York City because the uh, Friars Club in New York is giving me a testimonial dinner at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel to commemorate my 20th year on the radio. Just imagine, 20 years that I've been on the radio. 
You know, during those 20 years, I've heard so many people say, you know, at different times I've heard people say, gee, I can't see Benny at all. You know? Well, now they can. You know? <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present him. Oh, Don Wilson. Jack, I'm awfully sorry to be late, but uh, my car broke down and I had to take a taxi. Well, that's all right, Don. I mean, accidents can happen, you see. I know, but I was supposed to be here to introduce you at the very opening of the show, and I, I'm really awfully sorry that this happened. Don, it doesn't make any difference. The orchestra played Love and Bloom. I came on. Everybody applauded. I mean, it, it, it really doesn't matter. You know? Oh, Jack, I had such a wonderful introduction for you. You did? Yeah. What was it? Well, this being your opening television show of the season, I thought I might say... And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is with a great deal of pride that I bring you the greatest comedian in America, Jack Benny. Oh, well, now, wait a minute, Don. Wait. Now I'm glad you were late. I mean, the greatest comedian in America. I mean, how egotistical can we get? I mean, you'd have these people hating me before the, the show even started. I mean, they'd tune out their, their, their television sets. The greatest comedian in America. But, Jack, you are the greatest comedian in America, aren't you? Well, yes, but I mean, to, <laughs> to those people would sound awful, you well, know. Well, Jack, you're not saying it, I'm saying it. Oh, oh, well, then that's different. Oh, well, then you can always introduce me like that. All right. Oh, sure, I won't mind that. Mr. Mr. Yeah? That's the fat one. Yes? Hey, you got out of my can in such a hurry, you forgot your briefcase. Oh, how stupid of me. Thank you, thank you very much. See, I have some very, very important papers in there. Thanks a great deal, and uh, here's a little something for your trouble. Gee, a five-dollar bill. Oh, thanks a lot. Well, you're certainly welcome. <laughs> Don. Don, five dollars? Well, I mean, I, I can appreciate your being grateful and everything, but... But five dollars. Jack, there's nothing so strange about that. I once saw you give a man five dollars. Well, I know, but he was a lifeguard. He saved me from drowning. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget how we dickered the third time that I was going down. <laughs> Doc, what we carried on, really, you... Hey, wait a minute. Ain't you Jack Bunny? Yes, yes. How do you like that? Don't you remember me? No, no, I don't know. I'm Harry Gilmore. You and me went to Waukegan High School together. Waukegan High School? Yeah, don't you remember? I was the one voted most likely to succeed. Oh, really? Yeah, got my own cab. <laughs> oh, well, isn't that nice? Yeah, it certainly is. <laughs> hey, uh, what are you doing now? <laughs> I'm the voice of Bucks Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave up that lousy fiddle? Yes, huh? I gave it up. Well, goodbye, Jack. Goodbye. Goodbye, Don. So long. He's cute, isn't he? Fast the cute, I mean. So this actor... Oh, I told that. I told that. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, it really gives me great pleasure to present to you now the guest star of my first show. A young lady whose voice you've heard many, many times, and you've certainly heard a lot of her records. The Park Avenue hillbilly, Miss Dorothy Shea. 
Feuding and fussing was about. <laughs> yeah, I can't get over it. So you're a hillbilly, huh? Well, Jack, I'm not just a hillbilly. I'm the Park Avenue hillbilly. Oh, the Park Avenue hillbilly. Yeah. Well, you can park on my avenue anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good ad lib, didn't you? Ad lib? What's that? Well, an ad lib is when you say something impromptu, you know, without thinking, just something on the spur of the moment. See what I mean? No, but I accept your apology. <laughs> well, now, look at Dorothy. What are you going to sing for your first number? What's the name of the song you're going to sing? Well, don't you think we should discuss salary? That's a wonderful title. Thank you very, very much. Jack! Jack! Oh, well. You can have your New York City with its swank Park Avenue. You can have your gilded mansions in Westchester. You can have your own cabana in Miami or Havana, where the blue bloods congregate for their siesta. You can have your fancy penthouse on some 42nd floor. But I'll guarantee wherever you may roam, with the tinsel and the glare. Why, those places can't compare With the humble little spot I call my home It's a little western town called Beverly Hills Where people live a life that's free from cares No one struggles to be great All they ask is an even break they're satisfied to just be millionaires. Every housewife is contented with her lot. And some of them don't even own a yacht. She may have just one swimming pool, one husband to caress her. She's bored to death with Cadillacs, and diamonds just depress her. She'd rather have some trinket like that Oscar on her dresser in that little western town called Beverly Hills in that little western town called Beverly Hills you're welcome as the flowers that bloom in May no one cares about your cats or inquires about your cats if you only have one bunker that's okay the children ring your bell on Halloween in a chauffeured limousine Each mother with her little son Entrusted to her care Will gently rock his cradle As she offers up a prayer That someday he'll be president Of Metro Goldwyn Mayor In that little western town called Beverly
thank you ever so much. I thought you folks might be interested in meeting some of my kin voters. So with your permission, we'd like to take you down to the Ozarks and meet my favorite cousin, Zeke Benny and his Mad Mountain Boys. <laughs> some of the boys. You will need the fellow over here with the concertina. That's Charlie Bagby. He's the smart one of the troop here. Hey, Charlie, how much is two and two? <laughs> He's our business manager. <laughs> fellow here with the clarinet is Wayne Songer. We're mighty proud of Wayne. Last week at the county fair, he won first prize at the fly attraction contest. <laughs> Wasn't even entered. <laughs> this is my wife. This is our boy, Sam. <laughs> Get up here, Frank. This is Frankie Remley over here. Remley's been associated with Phil Harris for about 20 years. Glad to see you standing up, Frank. <laughs> Never took a guitar lesson in his life, just took it up by accident. He figured as long as his hand was shaking anyway, he might as well put a guitar in <laughs> He's a fellow makes us laugh all the time. He's a card. Say something funny, Frankie. 
for being my first guest star. I thank can't you. tell you how much I appreciate it. And Bob, thank you for butting into the show. <laughs> I'd have been four minutes short if you hadn't. <laughs> thank you both very, very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks, Lode. Come back again. You were just wonderful. Thank you. On tonight's show were Dorothy Shea, Bob Crosby, Mel Blank, the Beverly Hillbillies, Lynette Bryant, and yours truly, Don Wilson.